It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, the coolest chick in town. And we aren't going back to the 50s, don't worry, but, or the 60s, but we are going back in time. Yeah, yeah, that's right, you groovy chicks and hep cats. I don't know. <laughs> you took it back too far. You went back too far in the time machine. <laughs> I took I took us back way too far, but we are hopping in that time machine back to a time of what's that? That's that one's to a time of innocence, or it's the what's that Enigma song, or is it Enigma? Or we? Oh, oh Enya, Enya, Enya. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, so we are sorry, I have screwed this intro so badly. I, this is the worst intro. I think, Erin, that you need to get together your crystals and reset your chi and feng shui, your space, and get ready to get back in the 90s headspace. Yeah, it's a 90s world. And I'm a 90s kind of girl. I'm not singing that living single song very well. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, so let's, Erin, get on track here. So we are talking about 90s TV. And I have with me two groovy chicks. <laughs> Carla from Better Be Head. And Erin A. from Producing. We're talking about 90s TV if you didn't gather from this rambling intro. So let's get things rolling here so I don't have to talk anymore for a little bit. So Carla, we're going to first start with some comedy, kind of like my intro. Yeah. So <laughs> Carla, give me three, three of your favorite 90s comedies. Okay, there are so many amazing 90s comedies and it, you know, just looking at lists of 90s shows out there, I was like, oh yeah, that one is really awesome. This one is really awesome. But I think one that not enough people talk about is Hanging with Mr. Cooper. And that was a show, I think it was part of the TGIF lineup for a while. And I, I love that show so much. I loved Mark Curry. I thought it was just a funny and sweet show because the premise is that, okay, so I'm reading this from the internet 
and it says former NBA player Mark Cooper becomes a dedicated teacher and basketball coach in Oakland after his playing career ends. When he's not dealing with the students and players, Mark spends, spends time with his gorgeous female roommate, who he eventually starts dating, like, duh, and other friends. And I just really enjoyed the dynamic between Mr. Cooper and his his students, athletes, and whatever. It just looked like a, such a fun show, and he seemed like such a cool guy. And I just always looked forward to to watching it. And so it stars Mark Curry, Holly Robinson, Pete. And then there were, you know, you had Omar Gooding was one of the students, Marquise Wilson also. But it's one of those shows that, I mean, I don't know what it would be like to go back and watch it. I, it it's not like people are, you know, crowing about, hey, we have Hanging with, with, with Mr. Cooper. You know, subscribe now to watch this gem of a show because nobody really talks about it when they talk about, like, excellent shows. But I loved it. It's one of those shows that, like feels comforting to me you know it, it's i remember the very bright california type set that because he was in oakland so it's california so there's sunshine you know if it what if, if it happened set in seattle what would, we're not here to talk about what if with shows but <laughs> it's it's a, a great show and oh um sandra quarterman was also in the show she was the aforementioned roommate who I thought was one of the coolest people on the planet. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Another show was Rock. And Rock is another show that not enough people talk about. And even back then, not enough people talk about it. That's how it ended up being canceled <laughs> after three seasons. And so Charles S. Dutton, this is from IMDb. Charles S. Dutton plays a married garbage man who proves by his actions and his altruistic ways that though he collects refuse refuse for a job, his life and relationships total more than mere garbage. Oh my god, that is so cheesy. IMDb, who's writing these for you? I, this has to be a person, because I think not even AI. But anyway, so this show was so criminally underrated. It should have had so many more seasons and so flipping many awards, because Charles S. Dutton was amazing in this um, as was everybody else, all of the cast, they were Broadway, not Broadway, they, they were stage veterans and they, the performances were just so good and so poignant and, and beautiful. Ella Royce played his wife. Rocky Carroll played his, I forget if this is his brother or his brother-in-law. And then Carl Gordon was the, you know, the, the elderly relative who lives with you which was a, a big part of like 90s and 2000s shows, <laughs> right? Like that was like a, a big theme in those. It's like, oh, we like with Fraser with his dad living there, you know, like that kind of thing. It's like, we, we have the, the old curmudgeon man who lives with you. But I love it. I love it. I love it. It had so much heart. And I almost classified this one under drama because there were so many episodes that dealt with really heavy topics. There was a lot of talk about racism and a lot of talk about poverty. And, and it was just so beautifully acted. And because they had all of the stage experience, at one point they decided to do a live episode. So they did a live episode, I think for both coasts. And then this was in season one. And then season two, they did the entire show live. And the thing is, people couldn't tell that it was live because they were so good and they never made mistakes. So it was like, 
you know, like uh, with the 30 Rock live episodes, you, you could tell because people would break and, you know, th- there were little gaffes here and there. But there was none of that in Rock because they're just such amazing actors. And I wish that that show had gotten more recognition when it was out and that I could rewatch it now because it was just so good. What is wrong with you people not watching the, the, good, the good shows? Anyway, that's another tale for another day. And I'm saving the most obvious one for last, which is Friends, because Friends is my <laughs> Friends. I, I swear it's like a, a solid 32% of my personality is the show Friends. <laughs> <laughs> like there's always something that reminds me of something to do with Friends. Like I'm constantly quoting the show, whether people, you know, play along with me or not. I don't care. I'm going to still do it because it's just. To me, it's it's still one of the best shows. Yes, there were so many things that were issues with that show. Absolutely, absolutely, it does not get a pass for any of the of the problematic things that were part of the show. But the reason that it's still such an important part of my um, entertainment experience, even to this day, is that it's the first show that really seemed to kind of speak to me and you know and when it came out i was still in i was either still in high school or in middle school i forget but when it came out it just it felt so personal to me for some reason i i don't know why i i'm not an uh you know mid 20s new yorker who lives in like this gigantic apartment that was rent controlled and that was passed on to them by their grandma no but you know, um, I, I never left anybody at the altar, like none of that stuff. But something about their personalities, because there's something in every single one of these people that that felt relatable to me. Like, like, like many people, I was a Chandler girl. I was like, oh, my God, I am so Chandler. Like a lot of the ways that, that he's that he spoke, some of the things that he said were things that I had been saying you know, could I be more like Chandler? Like, I don't think it's possible. Like, you know, just, but it, it's, it's still to this day, the show that I go to when I just need a quick pick me up. Like it, it just, it just makes me happy. Okay. It, and if it makes me happy, you know, how the hell can I be sad? And, you know, it can't be that bad. <laughs> Ah, uh, this is not this is not an endorsement of Cheryl Crow, by the way. <laughs> I just happen to be a convenient lyric to latch on to. Yes, I I mean we did one of like it was basically we did a little fun little live stream, but it was basically our first live stream recording ever was talking about friends, and that was with Carla and Susie. And yes, we talked about on that episode there's the problematic elements because they're there. There's a lot of problems with friends. But I do still love it. I still can quote it. I still, you know, my sister and I will quote quote it, like, especially like, um, you know, one of our favorites is when Joey's like, you know, it's just moo. You know, it's like a cow's opinion. It's moo. Or like, what's today? Tuesday. What day? Tuesday. What, <laughs> what, Wednesday? Thursday? The third day. <laughs> just the way he says that. It's just like, it's just, I mean, just so many quotable lines and it doesn't get old and i think they still have some of the best like holiday episodes and 
there are still moments that just like the holiday armadillo will never not crack me up and you know, things like that. So yeah, it's, it will always hold a special place in my heart, but it's right to criticize it. It's very right to critique it just because you critique things doesn't mean you don't still love them, you know? So we've learned that on this podcast for sure. So Aaron A, what are three of your favorites? Yeah. With friends, I wish there was, I'm sure the internet has done it, but just like something where I can just watch the good parts of friends that I like, because I did start rewatching it and I'm just like, I can't do this. I can't, I would rather have like the fond memories of it whenever it didn't seem horrible and problematic. But yeah, surely there's somewhere that you can watch like an edited, just the funny parts of friends and not, the icky parts um because yeah i tried to watch it again i'm like i can't do this also the laugh track i can't deal with laugh tracks anymore yeah they're hard to deal with now i had a hard time finding stuff because like uh, the 90s the i had two very like distinctive different kinds of tv watching styles because like the beginning of the 90s i was like a little kid and the end of the 90s i was like in high school (laughs) So it's like very different TV shows. So I've kind of like split my categories here. Uh, But my first thing that I'm going to go with Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, which kind of was like the whole entire, like, it's just, I loved it so much. I'm finding a theme in the shows that I'm picking are all substantially like have some sort of theme of like, the weirdo or the outcast or something like that, which probably says a lot about my childhood in the nineties, but I think I haven't rewatched it. I don't know. It's probably problematic also at this point. I'm not a huge Melissa Joan Hart fan anymore for various reasons, but that show was pretty perfect whenever I was in middle school, high school, and beyond i think it was on all the way till i went to college and it was just the the comedy of it and then the seriousness and she's a witch which was just like so cool who doesn't want to be a witch i don't know maybe that's just me did everyone when they were kids want to be witches (laughs) but i sure did yeah Mm -hmm. um the talking cat who doesn't want a talking cat so I just, it's a classic. And that's when several of these I'm kind of scared to go rewatch because I have such fond memories of them. So I don't know if I, I will, but it was one of my favorites. The next one is for sure like a kid when I was little TV show is Boy Meets World. <laughs> and, which was so like the kid's like family sitcom and i'm sure it's just absolutely stupid now i bet it's not funny or anything at all but god that tgif lineup was so good right just like a a lot of those shows on the tgif was so good but like boy meets world like it it had it's it's like the friends but for like 12 year olds right (laughs) that's like the vibe it has right Oh my god, you're absolutely right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, so I loved it. And like 
uh, like I didn't even th- the boys, but I was more like Topanga. I loved her. It was just a really cute show, and it was like one of the few shows, like quote kids shows that my parents would watch with us because they also like found it cute and enjoyable, or else they were just being polite because I loved it so much. I don't know, but. I think that's probably another one that I definitely don't want to go rewatch, but I have very fond memories. And then my last one is 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 a grown up show. Is it, that sounds weird, but I felt very grown up <laughs> when I was watching it. It's Dharma and Greg, and that like that was like about adults, right? And I was like in high school watching a show about adults that were living on their own, but. I still like liked it and identified with it. I think that show is just it's a really like cutesy premise of like the uptight attorney type falls in love with this free spirit hippie. And again, I kind of like that was like I wanted to be Dharma. She was so cool, you know, whenever you grow up, can't you just be this cool free spirited person? And also like the, you know, the cheesiness like sitcom rom-com of it all it was really fun i would like to think that that one would be less problematic to rewatch, just because it kind of was about like expanding your horizons and like acknowledging that there's a different way of life than what you believe but who knows maybe that's probably the one that i'm most likely to rewatch. i would bet but gosh there was so many good stuff so many so many good things in the 90s and it's hard to pick, but I think those were like kind of my very favorites. Yeah, I, I love this because we're all, even though it would have been fine if we repeated, of course, but I love that we're all going to be naming different things. I did have friends on my, because I made a long list in case I was like, okay, if someone talks about it, I'll just talk about this other one. But I love that because then we get to hear about a bunch of other things and things that I had forgotten about. You know, like I too had forgotten um, about hanging with Mr. Cooper and um, and Rock, even though I watched Rock, I loved that show because I loved um, I loved their relationship. It was one of those like really like great marriages where you wanted that marriage and they were on equal footing and they were both very, very you could see that they really genuinely were attracted to each other. And I always like seeing that on shows when you have a married couple. So, yeah. So thank you for reminding me of some of these shows, even when I looked up. You're I, welcome. That, sh- <laughs> that show did not <laughs> That show did not come up when I looked up comedies from the 90s that I remember. Yeah. No, like I, I remember it because it's always on my mind. Like I'm constantly thinking about rock and how it was done dirty. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's streaming anywhere. So, but yeah, that was a good one. Well, I'm going to start with one. And I want to say, first off, like when we talked about the Cosby show last week, I want to acknowledge that, yes, Danny Masterson is a horrible, disgusting piece of trash. And I'm so glad he was convicted. Yay. Yay. For once, for once, the justice system actually worked on that. And, you know, they, they actually defeated Scientology in a way with that, too. So I want to say that. But I loved that 70s show. I absolutely loved that 70s show. I do want to say I think Hyde would absolutely hate Danny Masterson. So (laughs) Hyde was a great character and he would despise Danny Masterson. So, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is one of those that's difficult to watch now because of him and because of everything you know about him. And especially when you're watching him in scenes with 
Jackie and other female characters as well. I don't know. It was like such a nostalgia kick, even though I was like, I was born in the late seventies, but so I didn't grow up in the seventies, but it was still like, I don't know. I loved the music. I love classic rock. I loved the dynamic with these friends and kind of like what, what Aaron A was saying is, you know, I always felt like the outcast. So I related more to this group of friends, except for Jackie, even though I loved Jackie, Jackie was horrible, but I did love her. But I related to this group of friends a lot more than I did to like Beverly Hills 90210 group or people like that who were really, really popular. These kids, while they were all, you know, attractive and stuff, they were still kind of the misfits and the outcasts and they were getting, you know, stoned all the time and high in their their basement. And I and I loved Kitty and Red. I I loved them because they were so cute together and they were so attracted to each other. And I was so pleased that this show didn't go a route of like Red was so annoyed with Kitty and couldn't stand his wife. And Kitty was so great, so great, you know, totally an alcoholic, but she was <laughs> she was such a great, great character. She cracked me up. I loved her. And I thought the performance was fantastic from everybody. And so... I really love that one. It is hard because it does have that thing with Danny Masterson, but just like with the Cosby show and other shows where you end up finding out horrible things about the people in the show. When this was out, we didn't know that. Not that he wasn't doing that stuff, but we didn't know that. And so it's one of those separating the art from the artist thing. So, but yeah, I love, I still love that one, even though I haven't, it's harder to watch now, but still love it. Um, and then next up, and we did an episode on this show, and that's Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You know, I loved Will Smith in in the early 90s, and um, and I still think Will Smith is a, Will Smith is a fantastic actor who I don't think it's – yes, I know he won an Oscar, but he still – I don't think it's enough credit for how great of an actor he is. And he grew. You saw him grow through that show, and still one of the best moments of television, and it's a dramatic moment is the moment when his father, who abandoned him, and then his father comes back, and then his father leaves again after he or tells him, you know, we're not going to go away. They were going to go away, and he was going to be with his father. And he has the scene with Uncle Phil. And it still, just to this day, breaks my heart because he's trying to be so strong, and he's trying to just use his humor like the character always did on the show. And he's trying to use his humor and then he breaks down and is just like, why doesn't he want me? Why doesn't he want me? And Uncle Phil was such a great surrogate dad to him and was so great and wonderful. And um, I saw that actor on, on in um, Pasadena once when I was waiting for a – we were waiting for a table at the Cheesecake Factory. This was the first time I'd ever been to the Cheesecake Factory. And he came walking by with his two little pugs. And I'm like, it's Uncle Phil. <laughs> I didn't say that. I was too like, in sh- I was like, oh my God, he's two feet away from me with his little pugs. <laughs> that was one of the most exciting ones because it was like a celebrity just doing normal things. <laughs> just Uncle Phil out here walking his dogs. <laughs> yes, his cute little pugs. Um, but yeah, so go listen to our Fresh Prince episode to hear more thoughts on that show. Um, and then lastly, and I mentioned this during our reboots when I didn't like the reboot of it, but I still love the original and that's Mad About You. I just, that one, I, I just, uh, I, yeah, and that one 
problematic as well. All of these, you go back and watch and you're like, yikes. But there were still, there were so many great moments in it. And the love story was so beautiful because it was so real and it felt so honest and true. And Paul and Jamie didn't always get along and they fought and the fights were realistic to me. They broke up. You know, they had a real big falling out when they were trying to have children and all of that. And still to this day, the episode that still makes me cry is when Jamie gives birth and it's a two-parter. And there are some humorous moments like Bruce Willis happens to be shooting a Die Hard movie in New York. And then Paul meets Bruce Willis in the bathroom and they're just, (laughs) and Bruce Willis has a concussion and he's just, he's really funny. And they're talking about, you know, you know, him being a father. And then he's like, is it all right? Bruce Willis is like, is it all right if I give you a hug and all this stuff? And it's, it's, it's really sweet. But then when she's going into labor, and I think this just symbolizes their relationship and Paul is up there and she's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And he's like, yes, you can. You're like one of the strongest people I know. And oh my gosh, I tears just when I first saw that, I was just like, oh, they're so great. (laughs) And I just want to point out that Bruce Willis had like some really cool moments in sitcoms in the 90s with like that that arc in Friends. Mm -hmm. Has Rachel's much older (laughs) boyfriend who cried when they finally did it. (laughs) That was so funny. Or when he's in the mirror and he's like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, he that man has such comedic chops, like underrated comic comic actor. Yes, yes. And I mentioned him, of course, last week when I talked about moonlighting and um yeah. And Bruce Willis was a really good actor. I mean he's still alive. I just meant like he is a really good actor and I know he's really um you know he's really suffering right now and it's very hard for him and his family but yeah he was he was great at that because he was able to laugh about himself and make fun of himself and in that episode of Mad About You he was making fun of his action hero persona and it was so funny to see. I love it when actors are able to do that and like um, also, I'm mad about you. Kevin Bacon had an appearance on Mad About You as well, where he happens because they're playing the six degrees of Kevin Bacon game. They are in the show. And then Kevin Bacon happens to knock on their door and he knows them through other friends. So they're like six degrees away from Kevin Bacon. And it's really, really cute. So Kevin Bacon does that too. He also had one of the best, um, one of the best appearances, and none of us mentioned the show, but from Will and Grace, there's an episode where Jack is stalking Kevin Bacon, and then Kevin Bacon thinks it's Will. Will poses as his stalker, because no, he no, he hires Jack to be his assistant, and then he f- thinks, and then Kevin Bacon thinks Will is stalking him, and Kevin Bacon. It's like, no, no, don't leave. Let me, let me, let me give you some soda because the first, you know, Val Kilmer told me the first sign that you're losing popularity is when you lose the stalkers. So please keep stalking me. And then they do Footloose. Like he has it where he does the clapping and he claps on and Footloose comes on and they dance to Footloose. And it was so funny because Kevin Bacon was making fun of himself. And so I just love it when celebrities can do that. Anyway. That was a total, sorry, I ended up mentioning four. I was just mentioning that scene. So I love that episode. <laughs> you know, as a podcast host, and me as your unofficial co-host, I 
I, I, I gave you permission. Thank you. You, you allow me to do that. <laughs> I allow you to do that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Okay, well, let's move on to dramas. So, Carla, in the 90s, what made you dramatic? <laughs> well, in the 90s, I was a teen, so I was always dramatic. Like, there was just nonstop <laughs> drama coming from me. Like, Just <laughs> ask my mom. But <laughs> uh, I'm going to, you know, put out the obvious one, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think I have done like 30,000 episodes on Buffy the Vampire Slayer on various shows, including my own podcast, Bedwood or Behead. But Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's a show that I had a hard time at first accepting because I didn't like the casting of Sarah Michelle Gellar at first. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't really enjoy her, um, her whole thing. I was like, I, I, I just don't like her. And I had really loved the movie. So I didn't like the, 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 the fact that it was being remade, but it wasn't with the original people. And it's like, okay, but also Luke Perry had other stuff going on. So it's not like they were going to get Luke Perry. Plus he was like a lot older than a teenager, especially by the time that the show started being made. So I was like, all right, I guess you can recast him. Anyway, like it, it's, a classic for a reason it it touches on so many themes of what it's like to um to be a teenager and going through so many changes in your life that you don't want necessarily uh but it's writ large because you know it, as a teenager you might be going through you know moving somewhere where you don't want to be and Buffy has to move somewhere where she doesn't necessarily want to be because she has to leave her hometown for this place that's kind of sucky. It's not as cool as the place before. Plus, she doesn't get to be with her dad and just like all kinds of stuff. But every episode resonates with teenage life in one way or another. So it, it's even more welcoming to to somebody who is going through similar experiences. And when the show came out, it took me, like I said, a, a bit before I really got into it. And then eventually it just became like the biggest thing in my life. <laughs> okay. Um, not going to lie. Probably has something to do with Spike. But th th I mean, that yeah. that was a very good reason to, <laughs> to get into that show. And then I went back and, re and watched the, the beginning of the show. And I was like, oh, this is good too. <laughs> it's not just because of Spike. I'm not, I'm not all that shallow. But I, I loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer and still to this day um even though now I relate more to Giles and even sometimes mm -hmm. Buffy's mom's point of view as a parent as opposed to as a you know teenager who was like nothing is ever fair for me 
It's, and then now looking at it now, it's like, well, it's because you're a teenager. And if we just let you do whatever the hell you wanted, then you would, you know, probably be dead. But, you know, my kid doesn't have supernatural powers. But, you know, that's nobody's fault. That you know of. <laughs> that I know of. That is true. <laughs> that is true. He's not a teen yet. He may surprise me. Never know. I, I'm never going to tell you because I will be a super cool mom ally who would just keep a secret friend. But, you know, anyway. A show that I that I fell in love with also, well, at first I was like a bit skeptical, much like Scully, and then I was very enthusiastic about it, much like Mulder, and it's The X-Files. That show is still so, such a big part of me and, and my, um, my love of television and, um, it, it became like, my biggest obsession for the longest time i i like sci-fi stuff i like paranormal phenomena things i like hot people so it it just it it's like all kinds of stuff that i that i love the myth arc got a bit convoluted for me even at the beginning but my big drive to watch it was always Mulder and Scully because they it, they are so much more important than everything else in the show. Not not as a shipper, because I I didn't actually ship them. I just thought that they made a great pair. I, they have this amazing chemistry. As characters, they work so well together. And it was one of the first... Scully was one of the first female characters that I said, that is the kind of person that I want to be. Somebody who is very knowledgeable and very firm in her in owning that she is an expert and that she she will not let anybody talk down to her but also open-minded enough that she will even reluctantly accept new information and adjust her worldview accordingly so she she was like a big example for me so many things like I, i've talked before about how going on Twitter exposed me to a lot of of different world viewpoints. And it's that Scully thing where because Scully had to take in all of this new information and make changes, that was kind of a the kind of a mental path I wanted to follow and, and be like, okay, I can't just be rigid in my thinking. I have to accept other realities as well. And that has, I think, enriched my life tremendously. So thank you, Dr. Dana Catherine Scully, born November 12th. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. And the last show that I will mention, okay, this show to this date is one of my favorite shows of all time. And it's a show that I wish I had it on, on DVD and VHS and Betamax and Laserdisc and maybe holographic projections. I don't know. But it's a telenovela from, I think it was 1993, Corazón Salvaje. Corazón Salvaje was adapted from a book by Caridad Bravo Adams. And it's about, oh my gosh, it involves like kind of pirates and... Um, stuck up rich people there's intrigue and there's 
you know, um, illegitimate children who are kind of screwed out of their inheritance and just fate and love and passion and just. <sighs> okay, listen, there are a lot of episodes available on YouTube. Go check them out. Even if you don't speak Spanish, you will get the gist of it through the acting. The acting is phenomenal. Edith Gomez and Eduardo Palomo were the the principal actors. And telenovelas can be super cheesy. They can be super out there. But their acting had so much nuance and so much... um, It's just like so much skill and deafness to it that it elevates Corazón Salvaje above so many other big, important, classic Mexican telenovelas. Of course, again, I'm talking about the 90s one, not the 2000s one, which made no sense to me because I was like, why? You had the perfect one already. Why would you want to go and redo it? But I don't rule the world, unfortunately, so they went ahead and did it. But it's about a... um, a man who has a half brother that he never knew about because the father, um, he, he's like the illegitimate child with some common woman. And so he grew up very poor and his, his father didn't even know about his existence, but his father's actually like a really nice guy, even though he's like mega rich and was going, he was on his way to deliver the, the signed paperwork, accepting him as his, as his child and giving him his last name and invited him, inviting him to come and live with him when his, wife had him killed so that she and her son could keep all of the the money and the property and everything and then he grows up and much later reacquaints him it reacquaints himself with his half brother the half brother is like super excited he's like oh i'm so happy to have you as my brother but then they fall in love with the same woman and then things kind of spiral downward from there and the half brother becomes a lot less interested in being you know welcoming and stuff but the love story is probably the most beautiful and passionate love stories of any show out there it's like it's a kind of love that you watch and you're like oh my god i want that when i grow up but it's it's impractical because he lives on a ship a lot and i don't do ships so you know that kind of makes things more difficult for me in a you know i want to marry a um courageous rogue pirate type but it's a damn good show and I and I loved what you when you were talking about the X Files. That was I was like, okay, we definitely have to do an episode on that at some point, just because I want to hear more about what you were saying. Because that was really, I don't know, I really that I really appreciated that. And if you didn't know, um, Jillian Anderson is is on TikTok now. So <laughs> <laughs> the woman, I don't. She's one of those people who gets only hotter she's as she so gets older. Like I don't understand it. Just. Why? Save some for the rest of us, Jillian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's really good in, in sex education, too. I want another plug for that. Because she's amazing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Erin A., what are your three dramas? This was really hard. I have a list of, like, 12 shows that I love equally. And I'm going to have just randomly grab some, because, like, there's a lot of good dramas in the 90s. The first one I'm going to go with is Quantum Leap. You might have noticed that I like time traveling shows. <laughs> what? 
this is so good and like the this came out in like the very early 90s it premiered in 1989 and ran until 93 and so like i was not old enough to watch this when it came out and i just realized researching this i was watching reruns i'm pretty sure whenever i watched this the first time <laughs> i totally had no idea <laughs> because this came out when i was eight years old and i'm sure i was not watching this as an eight-year-old so i love that show it's so good it's like action adventure time travel like it's got heart it's yeah it is i love it scott bacula you cannot go wrong with him um dean stockwell so good but yeah i just my mind is blown that i was watching reruns of that whenever i that's how <laughs> oblivious i was when i was little my next one i'm gonna go with profiler and like nobody talks about this show i was obsessed with this show and I kind of, um, Allie Walker is like a very underrated actor. I feel like she should be in more stuff. I don't know why. I don't know anything about her, so don't judge me if she's done something horrible because I don't know. <laughs> I just know she's a really good actor. <laughs> um, I'm like going to go and premise that when I don't research people. But she's a profiler for the FBI and she's like hunting the serial killer, but like it's like all of the things in this one show of like it's crime drama which i like um you know it's like spooky and dark and it's scary sometimes it's just got like every single thing just really good um i think and there was a spin-off on it <laughs> which was also like i don't know it was not as good as the original but the pretender is like the spin-off also good but I just think this is a fantastic show and I do want to watch this again because I did briefly forget about it, but it's just, it's got all of the things it's exciting and it's like the cat and mouse chase thing going on. So I love that. I, oh, that show was so good. Um, and then I'm going to go with a classic because my last one, I'm just going to go with what's in my heart of sentimental ism because me and my mom used to watch this together and I was allowed to stay up late until 10 o'clock if on Thursday nights we would watch ER together and <laughs> that is uh, I mean it was such a good show there was so many good actors I love me a medical drama and god the like I was just scrolling through the cast and so many amazing people came through this show it was on for ever 1994 to 2009 that's bonkers but gosh like george clooney eric lasalle like who else juliana margulies noah wiley like so many people freaking alex kingston who as you all know is in doctor who just gosh it was so good the drama the medical drama i don't know the beautiful people the getting up being able to stay up late and watch it with my mom was just good times. I haven't rewatched it. Maybe it's terrible, but it gives me good memories. Yeah. I mean, that was like appointment viewing for me was <laughs> ER. And I stopped watching it when, um, when George Clooney left, I kind of didn't watch it as much after that, but that was, and that was what 
May, George Clooney, of course, a star was that one. And um, and remember when they did, because he wanted to do it, George Clooney did, they did a live episode yes. of Yeah, which was interesting. Yeah, no, that was totally be like, I'd be on the phone and be like, oh, God, it's nine o'clock. I got to go and just like hang up on someone. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was, that was one of my absolute, uh, favorites for sure. So, yeah. And that, that was, that was on my long list too. This is, this one was, I had a ton, but I'm going to start with the one that, uh, and, and I do want to say, Aaron, I was watching, rewatching ER last year when we talked about George Clooney. So I was rewatching some of it and it actually really holds up pretty well. So I didn't watch all of it. I just watched some of it. That so, makes me happy. It, it does. So, There's got to yeah. be a, a website somewhere that will tell you like the highlight episode. So you don't have to watch all 700 seasons. <laughs> yeah. I should have that. That would be pretty good. Uh, well, I am going to first go with, of course, the show that when we were talking about dream reboot reboots, this was mine. Yes. We would have to kill off um, Jordan Catalano because we do not want to bring back that horrible person, Jared Leto. But my so-called life, my so-called life was and still is, I think this show is still as great and wonderful as it was when I first watched it. This show was, I know people say this a lot, but this show was ahead of its time in the fact that it was one of the only shows I'd ever seen that was so realistic about high school. Uh, especially if you go to high school and you're an outcast in any way, shape, or form. And a lot of these characters, the main characters they focused on, all of them really, that they focused on were outcasts in different ways. Because you had Angela was an outcast because she was, you know, who was the main person played by Claire Danes, of course. And she was an outcast because here she was, she was starting in high school and she didn't know how she fit in with the popular crowd because her best friend started hanging with the popular crowd. And then she met Rayanne and Rayanne was like a rebel and different and dressed different and looked different. And um, so she changed her hair. She dyed her hair and all of this stuff. And so she was discovering who she was as a person. And then you had Rayanne and Rayanne grew up with this mom who was like a friend to her, but was also really not that great of a mom. Rayanne, this was one of the first times you saw them talk about teenagers and alcoholism and Rayanne was an alcoholic and dealing with that. And then you had, of course, the best, best character, Ricky. And Ricky was the first gay teenager that you saw on a television show and dealing with that and dealing with Ricky, you know, basically being kicked out of his home, not having a family. And then you had, which would have been interesting to explore later, you had um, the teacher who was also gay and living with his partner and you didn't, he hadn't come out yet to the school and he took Ricky in towards the end of the series. And we never got to see the outcome of that, but you know, that, that, and then you had even Jordan, even though Jordan is problematic as hell, Jordan was also an outcast in a way too. And, and Jordan, um, you know, like had never really been, he, did, he didn't know how to read for the most part. And that was something you hadn't seen as well. And then of course you had, even though I didn't like Brian, because I thought Brian was creepy as hell. Brian was so creepy. He was like videotaping people. All the, he was creepy. I'm sorry, but he was, but Brian was the outcast because he was, you know, the nerd and all that kind of stuff. But you had people that didn't fit in and they dealt with the realities of that in high school and the things you would deal with in high school. And like 
the bathrooms looked like bathrooms looked in high school. You had like this was the first show I saw and I had male friends who did this where you had Ricky would go into the girls' bathroom all the time and hang out there. You didn't see that on regular TV and especially in network television. And of course, this was on ABC, so they canceled it. But it was just a fantastic show and so realistic to what it was like for me as a teenager. And it premiered, you know, right towards the end of my high school years. And so it was just, it was like a mirror, a reflection of what it was like to grow up in high school. And it was one of the first ones also that tackled like, you know, uh, guns in school and stuff like that too. And um, yeah, it's just, I love that show so, so much. Um, and it still does hold up. If you've never seen it, it's a very quick watch. Uh, it's only like, is it like 11 episodes or so? It's sadly, it's a very short one. Um, the parents, I I don't know. The parents, I was always very mixed on <laughs> Angela's parents. They kind of were like, eh, okay. But yeah, I, I love that show. And then next up, fitting with, um, I'm going to recommend another show that George Clooney was in and another drama that I'm not saying this was the greatest show all the time, but Sisters, Sisters, all about sisters. <laughs> I loved this show and I loved George Clooney's character on this show. <laughs> oh my God. Gosh. Detective Falcon oh was my so hot. God, oh my I God. loved him. And with Teddy, they were like, oh, I shipped them so much. I was so sad when he left. And of course he left because of ER. But <laughs> and so I forgave him later. But at the time I was like, what? No, 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 they can't do this. They can't get rid of Falconer. And then I was like, whoever Teddy ends up with, I'm going to hate. And I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I loved uh, the dynamic between all the different sisters and um, some of the sisters I liked more than other sisters. And it was also one of the first things you ever saw, like other people on like Ashley Judd. That was one of the first things Ashley Judd ever did. Just, I, I loved it. It was very soapy. It was very, had a very soap opera feel to it. Um, but I enjoyed it a lot. And I used to have recordings of sisters on VHS, but I got rid of all my VHS type tapes. Like you're, that's one of my biggest regrets in my life. I had a box full of VHS tapes that had recorded shows like ER, like Friends, like Sisters, like a lot of these shows we've talked about. And I threw them away. I do not know why. It was the stupidest thing I've ever done. One of the stupidest things I've ever done. So don't do that. If you have stuff on VCR tapes, don't do that. Um, but anyway, yeah, loved sisters. You had all those cool shows and all the commercials. You could have watched all the fantastic yes, that commercials. Too. That too. Yes, yes. And then lastly, what I'll, the one I'll mention, and I'm mentioning this to keep in theme with uh last week when I was talking about how I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a kid because of the acting stuff. Well, there was another show that I loved in the 90s called The Practice. With Dylan McDermott. I'm, I mean, there were a bunch of other people too. But I had the biggest crush on Dylan McDermott when he was in this show. Even though Dylan McDermott's biggest trait is yelling. That's what, that's what he does all the time. <laughs> he does. He yells so much. And he yelled so much as Bobby in this show. It was like every other well, episode. Well, you know, it's because yelling. he's a lawyer. And that's according true. to Sharon Clueless, you know, that he... Uh, she was very excited because he gets paid to yell, but he yells at her for free because he's because she's his daughter. Exactly. See, see, you can see why I was so confused. And I thought this is what lawyers did. This is what lawyering is. You yell and scream. Yes. 
And but I loved a lot of the other actors in it, like um, you know Steve Harris, uh, Kelly Williams, who played uh, Lindsay, who I shipped Lindsay and Bobby. Bobby was um, Dylan McDermott's character. You had Cameron Mannheim, who you know what was great about her is you know here was this woman who was not skinny at all, but she still was looked at as a desirable sexy person and she got to have great relationships and then also lisa gay hamilton who does not get enough credit in the world because she is a fantastic actress and you rarely see her in anything but whenever i see her i go oh my gosh it's her from the practice i i I loved this show this was one that i didn't know anybody else who watched this show i was like the only one that watched this show and they had a really creepy serial killer storyline and all of these and a lot of that lawyering that I love of them being dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> being dramatic in the courtroom and giving a big speech. Yes. And then suddenly somebody coming in and saying, no, I did it. <laughs> yes. All of that. The lawyering and Bobby screaming constantly. <laughs> but I loved him. <laughs> How did you feel when he left and James Spader came in? I think actually I stopped watching, even though I love James Spader, but I think I actually stopped watching around that time because he was like, <laughs> it's like he's just so a very PR. different person. It's like a, it's like night and day. Yes. It's like night and day, but day is on Mars. That's the way you can describe James Spader in general. <laughs> and I love Pretty James much. Spader and I love James Spader, but it's very true. <laughs> But yes, yes, yeah. Yelling it all. I did, I did, I did love that. Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney, Dylan, you know, they always get confused. Um, <laughs> I can't remember who it was who was hosting, it was one of them that was hosting Saturday Night Live and they, their opening monologue did a joke on that. And I can't remember which one of them it was. It was one of them. Yeah, it was one of them. They, they, they know about it and they've like joked about it before, <laughs> but yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, well, we're moving on to the category, and I will give a shout out to a show when it comes to me, unless Carla and Aaron A mention it. A shout out to a show to Kim from Big Reputations Pod, who was supposed to be here, but unfortunately couldn't. So I want to mention a show that I think falls in this category. I don't know if she was going to put it in a different one, but I'll give it here. Uh, But we're going to move on to kids' shows or cartoons or whatever, if you have three of those, Carla. I do, as a matter of fact. Because even though I was a cranky teenager, I still liked watching. And also, I had two younger sisters. So one of them is eight years younger. The other one is 11. No, sorry. One of them is two and a half years younger. The other one is 11 years younger. So there was a lot of like, you know, like Barney and stuff in my house. But I'm not here to talk about Barney. Although I did for my prom, I bought a dress that was like Barney purple. So I called it my Barney dress. And I looked very good in it. But I was also like, I can't believe I bought a Barney purple dress but like i said it was beautiful i looked good in it and you know let's stop talking about barney 
in the 90s, I too was in the throes of a love for Melissa Joan Hart because we didn't know who she would grow up to be. But <laughs> the show Clarissa Explains It All was one of my favorite things on the planet. I love that show so much. I loved her and her friendship with Sam. And I, 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 I hated her little brother, Fergus who was just awful and mean and weird and snobby, but he was like really played super well. So you can't, you know, I I, I was like, I, I hated him, but I also appreciated the performance kind of thing. Her parents were like super sweet and very understanding. And I, it, they were like, you know, great teen TV parents. Like I thought, you know, they had a, a good relationship and they were funny. They were dorky. And all of that. I-, I loved her fashion. You know, much like last week I talked about Punky Brewster and her fashion, uh, Clarissa also had a very unique sense of fashion. I liked the the breaking of the fir- fourth wall because she she talked to the camera a lot. So I felt like she was talking to you. And there's like this really cool teenager and she's talking to me, even though she clearly is not. This is a studio audience kind of situation. <laughs> but also the show was filmed in Orlando. Uh, and they had the studio there and everything. So whenever I went to Universal Studios, I always hoped to run into her and be like, oh my gosh, we can be best friends. And clearly she wouldn't want to be because she's a child star and I'm just some like, you know, whatever, nobody from Broward County and why would she want to hang out with me? But you never know. But I, I never did meet her and it's totally fine, especially now knowing what she turned into. But Clarice Explains It All was one of my favorite shows. I loved it. I I, I wanted to live in that world. Etc. It was very white. I will give you that. Very white. Probably would have been uncomfortable in the long run, but it looked idyllic from the TV in my house, far away <laughs> from actual Clarissa Land. The other show, and the, the next two, and I, I made a big deal of talking about how I don't do animated stuff, but I guess I did in the 90s because the next two are, are animated shows. One of them is The Animaniacs, which is just to this day one of the best um cartoon series on the planet it had you know it's it's like sketch comedy but with cartoons and you had you know this, this is where pinky and the brain first started and then you had omira who loves um animals and was like you know i'm going to pick you up and hold you and squeeze you and call you george and it was just like oh my gosh omira let the the little animal go it clearly does not want to be held like that Elmira put it down in real life she would have gotten scratched the hell out out of her face but this is a cartoon so it's totally okay and of course the animaniacs themselves you know you had the the warner brothers and the warner warner sister dot and that's part of the theme song by the way just in case you're wondering why he said it said it just like that it's because it's in the theme song and if you were a child in the 90s and you did not learn at least some of the countries in the world through Yakko's song, then I don't know what you were doing in the nineties because it's like, it had so many amazing learning components to it. There were so many times when you learned about, you know, geography and some history They had like a lot of history lessons in the show. And it's a very silly show in general, but every now and then they threw they threw that in there. And it was like really interestingly subversive, And I really enjoyed that. I was like, this is really cool. And the the, the drawing style was like so weird because it's it's a part of the Looney Tunes world, but it's also not. 
so it, it, you felt kind of rebellious watching it because they're they're uh presented to you as like rebellious characters they're they're always escaping the water tower where they live and you know they're supposed to go back into the water tower and they never wanted to so you just felt like a little bit i'm a little bad i'm a little bit bad <laughs> over here i'm like a, a, a bad kid watching a bad kid show and the the show with inarguably the best animated show theme song the x-men the animated series. Go if you haven't if you if it doesn't immediately pop into your mind like do 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 imagine it but like really rock. It's not like like you know jazzy music. Go go listen to it on your YouTube's. Look up the the nineties X Men series theme song and you'll be like wow this is really really amazing it's like it really rocks like that song goes hard okay that that song goes hard but you know how like sometimes you're a kid and you get crushes on animated characters and don't 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 look at me like i'm crazy like people have crushes (laughs) on their animated characters i know know. (laughs) it happens okay it's a very real experience but I had a crush on like everybody on that on that cartoon because they were, you know, they have all of these powers. I mean, clearly they're the X Men, and if you had read the comics, and then you're watching them and they're actually moving around and doing stuff, and they all have like voices that are not just the voices that you assigned to them in your head as you're reading it, and you're like, whoa, this is really cool, and like they even pop more now that they're uh, as a cartoon, and I'm kind of in love with everybody here and stuff. It's like one of the best animated series. Like I, I, I don't know very many people who watched cartoons in the nineties who are not enamored with this series. It's it's just one of the best. And like I said, that theme song, kudos to whoever wrote and produced and performed it. Yeah. <laughs> I I did not know that theme song so. <laughs> Oh my god, Aaron. <laughs> Honestly. I know, I know. But I loved all of that. <laughs> so Aaron A, what were your three or three of them? Okay, well, Clarissa explains it all was at the top of my list. So I will skip that one because I've got like 75 alternates. So <laughs> it's fine. But yes, I was obsessed with that. I think I all of my style choices in my clothing are inspired by Clarissa to this day. I know I wear things that don't match and my husband tells me a lot and I don't care, (laughs) but we will not talk about that anymore. My first one, God, there was a lot of good stuff on Nickelodeon, like a lot of good stuff in Nickelodeon. And there was a show that nobody seems to remember, but me called Hey Dude. Yes, that's on my. I was on my long. It's list. Little, oh my little, little, little strange. Yes, yes. Oh I was on my. When you your home right on the range. I love that one. I had the biggest crush on Brad. Oh my gosh, she was. So oh awesome. me too. Oh my gosh, she was so cool. Oh my god, I don't know why I like this show because I'm like not an outdoorsy person. I was not an outdoorsy kid. I like hated going outside. But the show was so good. That's probably why. It was this mysterious world where you like did athletic things and stuff outside and you got dirty and stuff. And um, I just want to sit inside and like color my coloring books and draw and watch TV. But yeah, like it was 
funny and it was like about like kids like teenagers but they're like at this like summer camp hey dude ranch thingy and they're doing like grown-up stuff and it was like so cool of like maybe whenever i'm a teenager i can do grown-up stuff too (laughs) yeah oh my gosh good times with that show i got a feeling that show is real problematic now i probably don't want to watch it but it was i was obsessed it was so good and it was on for like a long time i think it had like five seasons um something like that no maybe four i don't know oh no five seasons yeah good times with that show not a lot of people that i know know of that show so that's great another really fantastic nickelodeon show is are you afraid of the dark which was so cool because it was like scary stories and some of them were like legit scary like i didn't want to go to sleep after watching it but that was on for quite a while too but that was like scary stories for kids was seemed like i don't know cool and dangerous and like why is my parents letting me watch something so scary i don't think they were really that scary but it seemed very scary when we were like 10 years old watching um this stuff but yeah that's good and the the midnight society i love that it's like not a clear reboot but the 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 midnight club uh, mike flanagan has said he was influenced by the are you afraid of the dark and them so that's kind of cool but that yeah that show was really cool and i do remember watching reruns of that too because like i just wanted to watch it again and then my last one i did have a couple of uh animated series on here but i think my very favorite maybe of all time animated series is the red and stimpy show and (laughs) i still quote this from time to time things from this show like me and my dad loved this show. We watched we watched this together, and I think this might be where like my humor comes from because it is very like just stupid. Like it's still funny. I'll still watch clips of it on YouTube, and it is still funny. But it is so stupid, and like ugh, the log song. I sing the log song all the time. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I want to sing it right now, but I won't. But it was really funny. And like, I think it was funny for adults too. Cause my dad, my dad thought it was hilarious. And every once in a while, me and my dad will like text each other, like memes and gifts from Ren and Stimpy still to this day. But it was just like a stupid, like cat and dog. I don't know. Almost a variety show. Cause sometimes they were in just the most silliest situations and then everything was back to normal. Yeah, I think that's one of the funniest shows ever. It's probably real stupid, but I love it so much. Well, this category was very hard for me for a different reason. I did not watch any cartoons in the 90s really at all. I'm not a cartoon person, and I didn't watch a lot of kids' shows, so I'm kind of just doing teen shows in here. Okay, I'm kind of bending the rules a little bit. I did have Hey Dude on here because that was one, but... um. I do, but before I get into my list, I do want to give a shout out uh, to California Dreams, and that's for Kim. And I had forgotten all about that show until she said, please make sure to mention that show. And this was all about, like, these two siblings with their friends. They, like, start a rock group. And, I mean, really cool music. Yeah, exactly. Rock group. Yeah. Carla's doing it in quotes because, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was very rock. 
very, very dude. Very hardcore, you know. And they were, in, <laughs> they were in California and they had kind of like that surfer thing going too. And um, yeah, so I'd forgotten all about that until that was mentioned. So shout out to you, Kim. Sorry you couldn't be here, but wanted to be able to at least mention that. So I am going to go with a show that is not good, does not hold up at all. And that's Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my gosh, I was obsessed with this show when I was young. And this was, people do not understand the fandom around this show. The people, the teens and preteens that were obsessed with this show. I had a friend who, um, her favorite, you know, because you had Luke Perry. Uh, of course, this was what introduced Luke Perry. But then you also had, um, oh, I can't remember. Jason Priestley. Thank you. That was the one I had the crush on. Brandon, who is an asshole. I have we watched some of these episodes and he's such a douchebag. Oh my gosh. He's an arrogant prick. He's really terrible. Oh my god, he's horrible. But when I was young, I was like, oh, he's so he's so sweet and nice and cute. He's a douchebag, okay? <laughs> but anyway, um <laughs> I mean, every single character in that show was pretty awful in oh, one yeah. way or another. Oh, yeah. No, they all are. They all are. I mean, these these people are horrible people. But I loved this show. And I had a friend that had like Luke Perry, like pillows, like pillows. Okay. This is how much people loved this show. And this was like an obsession. I mean, I remember once like one of my friends, she missed an episode and she like, because we would like write notes and letters to each other. And she wrote a letter and said, oh my gosh, I'm so bummed. I missed Beverly Hills. Don't tell me what, tell me what happened or don't tell me what happened or I can't wait to watch it, and I'm so bummed. It ruined my whole week that I missed this episode of Beverly Hills. So <laughs> this was huge. This was nothing like high school for me, of course, at all. Nothing like high school for anyone I knew. But I still, still, still loved it. Uh, but it is complete and utter trash. So <laughs> I, I've never seen that show because I was not allowed to watch that when I was a kid. My oh. my parents said it was inappropriate <laughs> so i still have never seen it and for the longest time i didn't like didn't even know who was in it like everyone was obsessed with luke perry i'm like the guy from buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of shows i wasn't allowed to watch because they were too mature um the, my parents wouldn't let us watch the simpsons because it was inappropriate um but then my dad would watch it like alone in the bedroom <laughs> um and so if my mom wasn't home we were allowed to watch it my not to know was one of the okay because i had a very early bedtime until my not to came around and then i was old enough to stay up to watch 90210 and then they started letting my sister my younger sister stay up as late as me and i was like what the hell is so that fair yeah no that's i know she was almost three years younger, and they're like, you can stay up to parents. Yeah, it's also the curse of the older sibling, too. It's like- Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's fair when you're the oldest. I know. It's true. Uh, so I'm going to keep that teen theme going. And yes, I know I mentioned a teen one for dramas. But next up, I am going to mention Dawson's Creek. And yes, there are problems galore with Dawson's Creek as well, but I still love watching this show even to this day. I do. And this was one where, like, the teenagers didn't talk like teenagers really would ever. I mean, it was like they were looking at a thesaurus and were trying to find different words for 
normal everyday words to make them sound more grown up than they were. And Dawson, I do want to say again to this day, I maintain Dawson is the biggest jerk ever. (laughs) And shout out to Jackie again for buying me one of my favorite mugs. It's called Dawson. It says Dawson's Tears on there. And I love drinking out of this coffee mug because I'm drinking Dawson's Tears. But I, 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 I really loved Dawson's Creek. And as you know, much of us, it was such a C, it was such a WB, excuse me. It was such a WB show, um, WB teen show then. And it was unrealistic in some parts, but it also was another one where you didn't have, you know, some of the teenagers weren't necessarily like, uh, Beverly Hills 90210. I kind of thought of Dawson's Creek as a reaction. And so was my so-called life, but as a reaction to 90210, uh, showing a little bit more realistic version of teenagers in some respects. There were, of course, the problem of <sighs> Pacey and the teacher in the first season and that being shown as romantic and sexy for him to be hooking up with his teacher. And it was never addressed as a problematic thing that he was he was abused by a teacher and it was never really brought up, which was problematic. But I also just, I loved Pacey. Pacey was my favorite character on the show. Uh, Pacey and Joey were the best ship ever. I was so glad when that happened. And that wasn't, that was something that the writers kind of weren't even planning on doing ever. And it just kind of happened. And they just kind of said it one meaning like, what if we had these two get together? Because they're, you know, that's an enemies to lovers storyline, really. And I'm so glad, spoilers for Dawson's Creek, I'm so glad in the end that they ended up together and that she didn't end up with Dawson in his tears. So, and then Jen was a character that now that I watch it uh, as I'm older, when I was younger, I didn't like Jen very much. But when I watched it older, I feel really bad for Jen. Jen was really treated like crap a lot. And then, of course, was Michelle Williams. And then, of course, I loved Jack. And Jack was also one of the first gay teens on a teenage so that they showed him coming out and granted they didn't do enough with his character I don't think but for that time that was pretty remarkable to see on there and of course because I have to in season six we also got another another actor who would go on to I mean I already loved him at this point because of Days of Our Lives but that was Jensen Ackles Jensen Ackles was in a season of Dawson's Creek as Jen's uh, boyfriend and he was an alcoholic recovering alcoholic and you know so I guess that's a theme for Jensen well in two shows I don't know any other thing where he's been an alcoholic but anyway so Dawson's Creek and then lastly this one premiered in 1999 so I am counting it And that's the show Roswell, all about the, it's in Roswell, New Mexico, and the, you know, it's a high school thing, and three of the teenagers there are actually aliens, and it's also a love story. It's like a Romeo and Juliet type love story, Max and Liz, Liz is the human, Max is the alien, and they fall in love when you know, they start falling in love because Max saves her life when she's shot in the diner she works at. And I was a sucker for this show. I had a calendar, a Roswell calendar 
yes, I understand. I wasn't even in high school when this show came out, so I understand, okay? But the actors weren't either, so. <laughs> You're invoking that Gabrielle Carteris rule. Yes, it was, <laughs> she was like 30 when she was in She was 30, yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she was, yeah. But I know this show is not necessarily the greatest. I do think the first season is actually really well done. And the acting sometimes is kind of stiff. Um, I do think, though, Catherine Heigl, who this was like her start was in Roswell. She's actually, I think, fantastic in the show. Um, But I just enjoyed it. And, um, you know, it was just like cool. And, you know, these aliens that are really hot and sexy and <laughs> but they're also like outcasts and yeah and they and they love hot sauce they carry tabasco sauce everywhere they go um but yeah so and we were when we were going to talk about wb shows i had roswell on that because we talked about felicity we talked about dawson's creek and i we were going to talk about roswell but nobody signed up for it because i guess i'm the only person among our panelists that has outstanding tastes to watch this show. <laughs> I was like aware of it, but I didn't like watch it regularly. But yeah, I don't know. You can watch that one on Hulu right now, too. You know, it's only three <laughs> seasons. I want to say that's one that had a very passionate fan base. Like that was going to be canceled after the first season. And what the fans did because of the Tabasco sauce is they sent warner brothers they sent like tabasco sauce like tons of tabasco sauce because this is before social media was a huge thing so they didn't really use social media as much it was more like a grassroots campaign and they did the same thing the second season it was going to be canceled and they revived it again and it went over to when um, buffy went over to upn uh so did roswell so went over to and lasted one other season but yeah so that's another one that shows the power of fandom too that kept that show alive because that show would have been canceled if it wasn't for the fandom step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, well, lastly, what I want to know, Carla, is what are your overall thoughts on, like, TV in general in the 90s? Like, any things that you want to talk about or point out? Yeah, it was a time when I think people were starting to become more aware of each other and of our shared humanity. So there were, you know, it's like in fits and starts, there were attempts to humanize people who have been previously demonized. So you had a lot of shows that featured gay characters and then some shows actually featured like as the primary character, gay characters like Will and Grace. And you had, well, there weren't a ton of them, but there were, you know, certainly more than they have been in the past and there were a lot more it it was also a very weird time for black television because you had at the beginning of the 90s a lot of black led tv shows and towards the, the end of the 90s those shows just 
went away and there was a lot less black representation on television. The eighties were the real boom of, of black TV. And by the end of the nineties, yeah, you had like living single and, and, you know, family matters and things like that, but they're just, it, there was like a huge containment. It feels like of, of black characters in television. A lot of shows didn't get renewed or were just flat out canceled seemingly arbitrarily but it 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 just really felt like they were like okay we're we're letting black people be on tv too much we need to cut it out there was also a lot of the homophobia because you started having a lot more gay characters but then you also started having a lot more uh gay panic in tv shows which you know friends is famous for having a lot of gay panic you had that episode where joey and ross the, uh, realize that they take excellent naps together but then it's like we can't let anybody know because then they'll think the wrong thing so th- there was just like a lot of weird moments like that in, in 90s television and uh, there also was a, a time of people realizing that hey we don't have to ignore each other's existence anymore and while you didn't really have social media at the time you just you just didn't you, you, st- you still had um, AOL, AOL Instant Messenger and things like that. So you had chat rooms and you began to have access to people who were living different experiences from you. And one of the great things I th- I considered a great thing about it is that you didn't see them. You know, you didn't have their little avatars with their picture. So you weren't necessarily judging them based on their appearance and um, on their, you know, how they're racialized or anything like that. You, you, it's just words on a screen. So it's easier to humanize somebody and to treat somebody as a human who is just out there living and that you're, it's not until at some point later that you realize, oh, this person is not like me physically, you know, and certainly it's important for us to come to the point where even if we see each other, we don't immediately make judgments about the person. But we're still working towards that. Humans are a very flawed species and uh, it takes us a lot of training. I I think that there is this expectation that humans can shift on a dime. And there are some some ways in which we are very adaptable, but there are some ways in which it, it takes us a while to get around to things. That's not to be used as an excuse because I think we should always try. We should always be striving to be better as humans, but it, it does sometimes take more time than we would like for it to. And also 90s TV, I think, was a lot of fun. There was so much fun in television. And I think that there was a clearer delineation between comedy and drama. Where you have a lot of shows now, we have a lot more dramedies than you had at that point. And it's great. I I think that any kind of of creative expression is fantastic. But I do think that at this point, there needs to be like a separate category for dramedies because too often you have shows that are more dramatic than they are comedic being placed in comedic categories and awards. And then they end up sweeping those awards to the detriment of flat out comedies. And I don't think that that's very fair to comedy because comedy nine times out of 10 will lose to drama because people equate drama with prestige and actual craft as opposed to comedy, which is so much actual, it's actually so much harder to create good comedy, but it 
loses out to drama. So back then, I think it was like a lot clearer to to make the distinction, which is neither good or bad. But like I said, I think that there needs to be a whole separate category for dramedy. And as as much as there is and has been and probably will be fat shaming, there were a lot of fat characters who were considered attractive in the 90s. So and and yes, there were a lot of times when those characters would have that, you know, you have you had to have that very special moment when you explain, yes, I'm fat, but I'm beautiful. And I think that now there is less of uh, a big deal made about it in TV about somebody's uh, body shape, but you had a lot more, you know, non-skinny particularly female and particularly black characters. You had Queen Latifah in Living Single, who is not Lisa Bonet. You know, she is darker skinned, she has a bigger body, and she's accepted as beautiful and sensual and attractive and all of these things. So um, so I think 90s are like a big gestation period for humanity um, as a whole, but, and it's certainly reflected in, in you know, entertainment. I think saying that gestation period is the perfect way to describe it. I didn't even think about that, but that is, I think, the perfect yeah. way to describe it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like the the boon that we have had in, in the 2000s and 2010s and now the 2020s, the big strides that have been made started because at some point in the 90s, people were green lighting projects that did not feature just white, straight, skinny people. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we've come a long way, but they're humanity like there's so much of a um it feels like like being at the ocean and the waves come and they go and they come and they go and eventually the tide rises and the 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 sand which is uh what i consider in this metaphor the not accepting ideals starts to lessen but it, it there is a lot of ebbing and flowing in it because there are a lot of a lot of well we don't like it, we're going to take this back and then it has to come back eventually but yeah it, it's a it's a big process that we undergo mm-hmm. yeah definitely and Aaron A yeah I agree with that I don't a lot of the shows that I watched in the 90s I was drawn to because I was in that weird period of like a kid and then a teenager. And so I think a lot of that shaped like my life, I guess I was a very dramatic teenager. Of course, everything shaped my life, (laughs) but I think I was drawn to stuff that, yeah, wasn't about people like me of it. Let me see different lifestyles, how people live that I, you know, had never seen before as being like a dorky kind of shy kid growing up in Kansas. There was not a lot of black people in my neighborhood, um, stuff like that. Like not a lot of gay kids in my school, stuff like that. So I think that was, has done a huge service to probably like a whole generation of people in the Midwest being able to see that there's something beyond you know, what our parents were exposing us to in our little sheltered life. <laughs> and I think it's, I think as problematic as some of that stuff is, it, it at least 
there was little gems in in every show and there's like really cringy moments in every show i feel like and it's nice that we can look back fondly but know like what's not appropriate now and maybe we're just gonna make sure that that doesn't happen in the future but overall i think it was there's a lot of really good shows that i look back on very fondly even if i'm not gonna rewatch them because i know (laughs) better you don't want to lose that nostalgia (laughs) yeah yeah because i'm sure they're not not great (laughs) yeah no it's it's under that's very understandable yeah um yeah i you know ditto a lot a lot of what has been said and and i also want to give and this was almost one i was going to mention in our last category but i also want to say and granted what this also did later for television i don't necessarily like but the real world came out in the early 90s and the real world when the real world the reality show on mtv when that first started it was a lot different than what it turned into it was actually like a show where you saw people really who were from the real world you know and you had people thrown into this bubble and um and the people that were watching it also got to see people that maybe they they felt connected to like you had the character of Norman in the first one and Norman was like one of the you know he was he was bi and you didn't see a lot of bisexual men ever on television and so you saw him and people loved him and you know you had a lot of stuff about racism in there and you also had the character of Julie who there's there's the reunion of the real world cast which Paramount Plus pulled it but it was really interesting because you saw Julie and how Julie in real life learned a lot and grew and took those opportunities to educate herself because one of the first episodes she says um about the character Heather who was a black woman who was a artist who was a rap artist as well and she had a pager and julie says in the first episode is that are you a drug dealer and so that you know racial stereotypes and racism and dealing with that and then that's why that reunion show was so interesting to watch because here they are as adults and julie saying i learned so much from that and then you had another character in there who left the production because she didn't want to be confronted with her own internal racism as well and I'm talking about the reunion production, but it, I don't know. I think that was one of them. I know it's a reality show, but I do think a lot of teens and preteens were watching that and learning from that as well. And also feeling seen. That's another big thing. I think that some of nineties television shows did is people were afraid at that point still to come out or to be themselves because of rejection, which was a very real thing, or because they feared for their own lives and their own safety, and also feared that they would be kicked out of their homes, um, which is still a problem and an issue today. But I think back then, too, it was it was even bigger in some respects. And so I think for some of those teenagers to be able to see themselves was great. Like with Ricky, I know that for Wilson Cruz, who played Ricky on My So-Called Life, he has said playing that character helped him come out and helped him with his own um, sexuality and his own discovering in that and how it was such an emotional journey for him. And so to even have the actors be able to learn something about themselves through those characters 
And granted, while you still had this issue with when you had gay characters on television shows, they were very not sexual. They were just, you know, they didn't have any real like they were gay, but you could never really or very rarely see them in a relationship. And if they were in a relationship, it was very brief and quick or it ended in heartbreak and they could never be happy. In the case of Will and Grace, you know, while that show was great at the time and I really loved it when it first came out. I do think there was an aspect of that that was created for straight audiences because I think it was a lot uh, more palatable for straight audiences to watch this show where in the back of their minds, and they would tell creators, the creators of this, in the back of their minds, they were hoping that one day Will and Grace would get together and become a couple. So I think that was a way of reaching straight audiences. And while I do think they made some great strides and did some amazing things at that time. There of course was room for improvement because you had Will who never seemed to be in a relationship very rarely ever. And you look at him and he was like this successful, attractive lawyer. Once again, a lawyer. He didn't do very much lawyering though. There was one episode where he did lawyering. (laughs) I mean the lawyering in a courtroom. (laughs) Not enough yelling from Will. <laughs> Too quiet. That's why it was a comedy, not a drama. Not realistic yeah. enough. A terrible lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not a very good lawyer. No. Um, but yeah, so you, you, you know, you had some strides and I think, you know, there's all these steps that you have to take to get to the point where you are today. Like you wouldn't be able to have some of the shows that we've had or that came after those without the different, without the steps that were taken in the 90s. Like Ellen DeGeneres is a horrible human being, but without Ellen coming out on her show, which she received so much backlash for that. I don't know if people remember that or know that, but that was a huge thing. And she was on the cover of Time Magazine. And when she came out on her show, a lot of networks in a lot of towns uh, would not show the show anymore. They refused to air Ellen anymore. And um, the show was sadly canceled pretty quickly after that. And a lot of that was for that. But you had moments like that. And if those moments hadn't happened, you wouldn't have shows later on like Queer as Folk. You wouldn't have shows, you know, like you wouldn't have Sex Education. You wouldn't have, um, you wouldn't have the show Pose. You wouldn't have a lot of the shows that we've had since then without these shows sort of starting it and without people learning from the mistakes and the errors that they made. And also, you know, the gay panic thing, which was huge too. And you even had gay panic in shows where there would be gay characters. So this was not something that was just in shows with where they didn't show any representation at all. So yeah. But overall, I think it was a really good decade for television. uh, And I think it got better as the decade went on. So, but yeah, but of course it's problematic. I mean, a lot of this stuff is, and you do find those, but I do think we've learned a lot. There are still a lot of steps to take and we have to continue to grow and learn and stuff. And entertainment and stuff like this media is important and it's important to see yourself reflected in a positive light because it can help people. It really, I think, can save people's lives in a lot of respects. I don't think we, you know, people like to go, it's just entertainment, but it does matter. It really does matter. 
And now we're going to go to six degrees of Finn Whitrock. And Aaron A., you are a member of my Finn crew. So if you didn't play, I'm kicking you out right now. Seriously. You're required. You're required. I know. I got too distracted. It was too many options. And I kept going down rabbit holes. And I did not complete the assignment. I got very distracted. <laughs> I was like, I'll go this way. No, I'm going to go this way. And these, oh my God, these two people were in the same show. I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't focus. I need a clear assignment. It was too open-ended. You should have told me a specific show. Cause I can't, I couldn't pick. I've got like 75 things written on my notes, sheets, too many shows. I couldn't handle it. I panicked. You know, you could have just listened to our 80s show last <laughs> week and taken the one I did because you mentioned ER and mm -hmm. Finn Whitrock was in an episode of ER. Was he? Yes. Oh, man. Wow. Nice. Well, Erin A. is no longer in the Finn crew. I'm <laughs> sad to report this, but she has been fired. <laughs> I'll reapply next year. <laughs> Finn Whitrock is crying right now as he's listening. <laughs> going, one of my members of my crew is no longer a member. So... <laughs> Shame, 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 shame. shame. Um, <laughs> and really quickly before I go to mine, because I'm trying to give more shout outs to people and I want to give a shout out since we're doing the Finn Whitrock thing to um, the Instagram account, Finn Whitrock Source. We follow them so you can look on our account if you're having trouble. They were locked out of their Instagram account for a long time and they finally have been able, they had to create a brand new one. Um, oh, but they're no. finally back. And if you are a fan of Finn Whitrock, uh, you need to follow this account. The person who runs it is – she's a sweetheart. She's a really, really good person. So, yeah. So go follow them on Instagram for – you know, because Finn has – is very busy right now. You know, he's also crying right now because you asked your <laughs> <RNA>. So <laughs> – Sorry, Finn. I still love you. <laughs> I also went down the rabbit hole of things I, of his I haven't seen yet because I was trying to make connections and I'm like, but I haven't even seen this movie. So then I've got a whole list of Finn movies too that I got to watch. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, okay. Well, I used my lawyering show, The Practice, and I made this one really simple and easy. So Dylan McDermott was yelling and screaming in The Practice and Dylan McDermott also yelled and screamed in a lot of episodes, a lot of seasons of American Horror Story. <laughs> <laughs> so you can watch him doing that, but I'm going to use uh, the season that I think is fantastic. Aaron A., you're already on thin ice with me, so shh, <laughs> And that is <laughs> American Horror Story 1984. I love that season so much. And Dylan McDermott was in that season. And so was Mr. Finn Whitrock in probably the most normal character he's ever played in the American Horror Story universe. <laughs> but I, I loved, loved him in that. Okay. Well, thank you both so much for joining me in this time machine that we have taken. Who knows what we will do in our time machine next December since we seem to do this for a couple of weeks. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe commercials, maybe just a show. Maybe we'll go back to the 50s. No, we are not doing that. I vetoed that before it even got on my mouth. No. 
20s. I can't believe you want to miss that whole decade. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. That's not happening. I'm sure a lot of our fans wanted that. But anyway, so we're going to go ahead and wrap up. And my lovely panelists can say where they can be found, their podcast can be found, and their art and everything. Carla, tell everybody where everything about you can be found. Everything about me can be found nowhere because that's personal information, Erin, and I don't want to have my credit ruined by some stranger. But ASL? (laughs) I've been wanting to do that since you brought that up. Going along with the AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but you can find the podcast that I co-host with Meg, uh, Bedwet or Behead, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find our online internet social media presence on TikTok at Bedwet Behead Pod, on Instagram at bed.wet.behead.pod, on Twitter at Bedwet Behead Pod. And then you can look for my art and photography and stuff and thingies that I do on Instagram at Carla Demis, where I just mostly put stories. Um, that's my thing right now. And also, where else do I do stuff? Oh, yes, TikTok. I also have a TikTok <laughs> at Carla Demis. Or just look at my website. And there's all kinds of goodies there. At, uh, that's that's not at, that's just carlatemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S dot com. <laughs> Aaron did a very interesting, interesting dance for me. Very, very 90s. I think you're just in a very 90s mood. Shoulder dancing. Yeah. Yes, I didn't even realize, but that's what it was. Very good. <laughs> good call there, Carla. <laughs> oh, Aaron A. <laughs> I am mostly only on Instagram these days at Geek and Sew. That's what I do. I geek and I sew things. Prepare for lots of geeking and sewing because there is new Doctor Who. And Gallifrey One, the Doctor Who convention, is coming up in like less than two months. Exactly two months. Something like that. Um, And so I will be doing a lot of Doctor Who fan art sewing situations um, as I prepare for the art show for that. And I'll be posting probably a lot of uh, pictures of things that I'm creating for that soon. Awesome. Awesome. That's so cool. Yay. So make sure that you follow Aaron A on social media so you can look at it because it's all so freaking awesome. Even if you're not a Whovian, you will still get a kick out of it. Like check out her stories, check out her post. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. Just throwing yes. that out there as a person who is not a Whovian, <laughs> but enjoys the the geeking and the sewing craftiness no i love that that's so yes and and aaron a of course designed our website and our logo and all of our it's a blank thing stuff in our red bubble store not it's a blank thing just fill in the blank (laughs) we should make one with a blank you could write in your own thing (laughs) Ooh, i like that idea yes yes and soon it's a mediocre white guy thing Carla (laughs) but with a lot of confidence (laughs) it's a mediocre white guy with audacity thing (laughs) oh my gosh I love that okay uh what am I doing oh yeah I'm closing myself out sorry everybody this is Aaron you you can try and follow me see how 
see how far you get. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know where to go. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, you want to follow Fergie, who is a dog and who is a goofball, and you want to follow her. Uh, she she loves it snowed here, and she loves the snow so much. It's really kind of annoying to walk her because <laughs> every few steps she's like, "I'm going to sniff every single thing of snow." I'm like, no, you're not. Anyway, I love her. Anyway, but uh, you can follow her on TikTok at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S C H. R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. It's long, but it's worth it. And you can also sing it. Uh, be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us via our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there. That'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And while you're there, consider becoming a Patreon supporter today for as little as three bucks a month. You get great bonus content. Like a couple of years ago, we did a bonus episode covering another 90s show, Freaks and Geeks. So you can also listen to that one there. Um, we will have a bonus Barbie episode coming soon. And you get to hear it first as a Patreon supporter, and then the regular podcast won't be able to hear it for another couple of months. So go there. It's a three-hour one featuring Carla, Aaron A., and Susie. And then we will also have an Elf episode coming up soon. And you get, of course, I don't know if I said it, ad-free content. So, you know, capitalism, down with capitalism. Um, da- like like in Empire Records, down with the man. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the 90s thing. <laughs> hey, it's all coming together, everybody. Oh, Aaron, you need to stop. So anyway, the link is in the show notes or click on support us on our website. And next week, we are going to do our annual Christmas episode and we're going to be talking about Christmas music, feeling the cheer in the holidays, and much better than me singing the Christmas music. I will not be attending. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot with the Christmas music. It makes me freak out. So I'm sorry. Wow. Aaron A. I cannot with Christmas. I don't know how you guys can handle it. (laughs) That thin ice. Man. I won't be attending. I don't know how anyone can listen to Christmas music. I cannot. Oh, wow. You guys. <sighs> anyway, so before Aaron A. is gone from this podcast forever. And for life. <laughs> Aaron A.'s last appearance was today. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that should be fun. And it's going to be Aaron A.'s favorite episode we do this year. <laughs> Obviously, I can tell already. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. She's going to prevent it from being on the website. <laughs> <laughs> what Christmas music episode? You never recorded that. What are you talking about? Uh, but anyway, so tune in for that. And then in a couple of weeks, it's our best of 2023 episode where Aaron A., Carla, Meg, and Sasha, that's my annual crew that joins us, and we count down our 10 favorite things in pop culture, like movies, television shows from the past year. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. 
Black Lives Matter, and Stop Asian Hate. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.